Clancy Pasta presents. The adults all make sure we're asleep when curfew arrives. I finally found out why. Written by Headphones Links. I'm calmed down enough for me to write it on here. Our slash no sleep is the only place that will believe what happened last night. And I want it to be out there. I live in the northern Midwest, where the trees reach like claws attempting to grab the moon, and the seasons are largely dictated by winters. The town is your standard affair for the area downtown, where the community gathers, the surrounding areas where people live, and where stuff like schools are. All of this is surrounded by the woods, and the closest town is an hour-long drive across dirt roads. I tend to hang out with my friends in the downtown areas when we want to go shopping, enjoy a girls' day out in the cafes, go walking in the local park known as the Garden, or screw around in an alleyway, but we also hang out in the woods. The woods are a great place to mess around in because they're so large. People have gone missing in there, but my friend group, whom I'll be calling the Brigade for reasons you'll see later, have been running around the place so much we know the trails, the paths, and shortcuts through the massive sea of trees. We even found abandoned mineshaft huts, one of which is our current hideout. As much as I'd like to think we're a fairly normal community, there are several odd things in the town that the brigade has noticed, but we didn't connect until now. One such thing is that the adults all make sure we're asleep by the time the set curfew comes, which is midnight. Another is that adults discourage opening tourism of our town's mining operations, and yet another is that there's a disconnect that automatically happens when someone turns 25 here. It happens as soon as they turn 25, too. Close siblings suddenly don't talk, even if they're a year apart. They don't even focus on teens anymore. However, the adults seem a lot more nervous than usual nowadays. As my friend Joey, whose father is an active community member, says that his father's been staying up much later, so he can't sneak out and meet up at our hideout at the normal time. Another friend of mine, Stacy, said that her mother's been working on something that has been stressing her mom out. Both incidents we would usually not care about, or at least I wouldn't. My parents in particular have been more and more vigilant in making sure I'm asleep, but that didn't stop me. Development in this town hasn't happened in over a decade, but two days ago the local news mentioned that there was a new road being paved and a library being built. Besides, I'm a natural when it comes to stealth, so this didn't concern me at all. Last night, however, the brigade finally discovered why this was happening. Around 9pm, Izzy, me, arrived at the hideout. I try to go at this time so I get access to the snacks first, but both Revy and Blue were already there. Blue mentions that he has something to say, and we begin to wait for the others. Between 9.30 and 10.30, Stacy, Joey, Lucky, and Jane all make it to the hideout. When Revy finally arrives, Blue tells us something. You know how, like, everyone follows the curfew rule religiously? My parents are out right now, so I can cover for all of us. We're staying at my place. But do you guys want to roam around the town when everyone's indoors? I'm a bit skeptical, but before I can voice it, Jane jumps in. Now that you mention it, I checked in with some of my friends down south. Apparently their parents and the police force don't give a shit about the government-mandated curfew. My concerns must have been visible on my face, because Joey spoke up. Izzy, as much as you're worried, you have to admit, something weird's going on. 
You've noticed too, right? How our parents are working on something big? I sigh and nod in agreement. Yeah, but honestly, we're probably overthinking this. I'm just worried. You don't need to, said Lucky. We'll be smart about this, okay? Revy quickly pipes up before I can voice my last objection. I'm not on board with this unless we actually plan this, Blue. He gave a quick glare at Blue as Blue laughed awkwardly. I, deciding what could honestly go wrong, finally gave in. We began to outline our plan. It was almost curfew when we finalized our plan. Our overall goal is to stick together but to try and investigate as much as possible. Stay out of the sight of windows, try to at least stay with one other person, and make sure to notify the others if one of us is spooked or spotted. Check out the new construction zones first, then move on to downtown. We then started packing up. When midnight hit, something weird started happening. It felt like the woods were speaking. As weird as it sounds, it was like an instinct, but this was definitely not a normal instinct. Rather, something brought on by something else. It was like my brain reaffirming a fact. But the fact was that if I left the woods, I would die. Like leaving the woods is the worst thing that I could ever do right now. Hey guys, I said, catching both Stacy and Revy's attention. The others were busy doing last check stuff, like enough batteries for the flashlights. Do you guys feel weird? Like, not lack of sleep weird, but more like, I'm going to die if I leave? Both Revy and Stacy looked at each other, then at me as Revy spoke. Now that you mention it, yeah. But it's less of that aura you're describing and more of a bad gut feeling. Stacy raised an eyebrow in confusion. I'm getting it too, but not like what the two of you are saying it is. It's more of a... A pause. An idea in the back of my head? Like my conscience is saying that we're going to die if we do this. Revy gave us his are you serious look and opened his mouth to say something. Hey, you guys coming or not? That was blue. The rest of the gang was up and ready. Joey seemed a lot more apprehensive than before, even holding his baseball bat to his side. I hurriedly stuffed some food into my bag and grabbed my flashlight and we set out. As suicidal as not having flashlights at midnight in the middle of the woods were, all of us could navigate the place while blind. Besides, a light in the dark woods would have drawn attention, and that's what we were avoiding. The closer we got to the edge, the more the feeling grew. It turned from existential dread to blaring alarms yelling that you need to just get out of whatever hole I was digging myself into. Both Stacy and Revy sent looks of concern my way, but I kept telling myself that it wasn't as bad as it seemed. I could always back out. One of the new buildings being constructed was a library off of the main areas, and it was the closest to our hideout, so naturally, we went there. The feeling kept growing worse and worse, and eventually we reached the edge of the forest where the construction was taking place, but something was wrong. It was near 1 and there was construction still active. At 1 a.m. The feeling had exploded into screaming in my head. Screaming to get out. Hide. 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 There's danger. Go run. Please hide. And that was definitely noticeable. 
I almost screamed when Joey put his hand on my shoulder. You've been spooked since we left the hideout. Are you sure you can do this? It's okay to ask for help, he said. I shook my head no. The instinct wouldn't stop and it was beginning to feel like a stomach ache at this point. I think Joey or somebody else must have noticed me and called the others over as everyone came over. Jane opened her mouth to say something, but Stacy cut her off. Izzy's been getting a really bad feeling that she described as, if I go, I'll die, and I've kind of been getting that. Anyone else? Jane paused. I got it too. Do you think it's related? Before anyone could throw out theories, Blue stepped in. Oi, Izzy, are you actually okay? You look like you're dying. No, it grew into, like it's actually affecting me. I have a stomach ache, a really bad one that started when we were near the forest edge. I snapped, but to be fair, it was feeling like I had swallowed a jar of bees. Right. Shit. How about you stay in the woods and use our phones to tell us what's going on, Lou said. Hey, wait. We're not supposed to split, right? We're literally splitting here, replied Jane. And honestly, I'm beginning to worry. People should not be building shit in like 1am. Lucky suddenly looked up. Her small frame managed to drag the hulking figure that was the six foot tall Joey to the ground and the rest of us down with him. Lucky, what the fuck? Shh. A light passed over the bushes we were hiding behind. We all stilled as the light hovered in over the general area. I thought we had been spotted, but a fox suddenly jumped out in front of us before moving away. The light quickly dimmed. Revy shook a little and poked his head out of the bushes. Guys, a lower whisper than before. Look at this. We all looked. I wish we hadn't. A lot of people were at the construction site. Almost everybody above the age of 25. They were all moving around robotically, like those assembly robots in factories. All of them were wearing masks that had ropes or cables attached to the masks and led somewhere. Spotlights controlled by the masked people moved across the roadway and across the forest. The masks were a pearl white with marks that looked like it could split in several different locations, like the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. One of the masks slipped off, revealing a blank stare, but the cables came alive and dove into the poor person's mouth. From our vantage point, the cables were twisting around the man before almost puppeteering him, as cables shot from the wrist and other joints, effectively rendering him to the mercy of whatever that was. The cables were definitely sentient, as they moved like snakes overseeing the masked people. The masked people were moving things around, bringing something to a large, massive hole. The so-called library was just walls surrounding a sea of those ropes, and the hole. They seemed to be building what looked to be a crane, but the crane held a massive rod, the kind that they dive into the earth to drill for stuff. We just stared at the visual in front of us. Blue started backing off, a silent agreement to pull back a bit, just enough so we would be out of harm's way but not so far that we lose sight of the zone. Blue then finally spoke up, keeping the low tones. 
We need to know what's going on. Izzy, you and Joey stay near here. Use our phones tell us what's happening at this site. We're splitting into smaller groups. I'll take Lucky, and we're going to downtown. Jane, Stacy, Revy, go to the other sites near the woods and see if the same thing is happening. When you're done with that, go to the suburb sites. Try and get back to the hideout before 4am so we can all get back into our houses. Blue said, a grim look on his face. Revy then spoke up. I understand our part, but why downtown? He asked. Downtown is where everybody goes. I'm betting something connected to this is there. Don't get caught no matter what you do. Revy didn't seem to want to question that, and we all split into our groups. Soon, it was just Joey and I. Ever since we had seen what was happening, the pain lessened a considerable amount. The feeling was still there, though, and at this point I would rather brave the forest at night than whatever was happening here. Hey, I'm going up, I whispered. Joey looked confused, but I pointed to a tree that was probably climbable from what little light we had. He nodded, confirming that he understood as I began making my way up the tree. When I made my way high enough, where I was still safe but had better visuals, I finally had the first good idea of the night. I pulled out my phone camera and began snapping away. A text notification suddenly came on screen. 1.35 a.m., Joey. Hey Izzy, I'm headed to the other side near the woods, gonna try to see if I can see better. 1.36 a.m., Izzy. By the way, take photos, we might need it. 1.36 a.m., Lucky. That's a good idea, everyone take some. 1.36 a.m., Jane. Understood. I stayed there for a while, snapping photos of the site. Some more masks fell off of people's faces, and they would always be consumed by the cables. Watching those cables consume someone was terrifying. Every time I saw it happening, I looked away. It felt like I was watching an animal being torn apart, forced into a pose that it couldn't do. The cables were treating people like puppets. Every so often, I would either text a not found to Joey, or he would text something similar. After some time, I got another message in the group. 2.48 a.m. Revy. Guys, WTF, look at this. 2.48 a.m. Revy sent a photo. From what I could tell in spite of the poor lighting, the cables had filled every street in the subdivision they were in, looking like rivers of black ropes. The trio had gotten up onto the roof, and the cables formed several massive black spires that reached into the sky, almost as tall as the trees around us. Several masked people were in the streets, carrying something to and fro. 2.49 a.m., Joey. What the fuck, Revy? Are you all okay? 2.49 a.m., Revy. Yeah, but neither Blue's group or yours have anything new. Also, tip for you, Blue. When you see this, none of them have looked up yet. 2.50 a.m., Joey. Have you visited the other sites? 2.50 a.m., Revy. Yeah, they were the exact same as the one you two are at now. Eventually, I think it was around 3 a.m., I noticed something in the forest. An area was glowing softly. 
I had retired the photos and was watching for any change. When the area started glowing, the cables all reacted. All work instantly stopped and the masked people began marching across the road to the area. I snapped a photo of what was happening and sent off a text. 3.03 AM, Izzy. Something in the forest started glowing, checking it out now. 3.03 AM, Joey. I see it. I don't think I can get to you. The masks are making lots of moves. 3.03 AM, Joey. If I move, they'll see me. 3.03 AM, Blue. Stay safe then. Be alert. 3.04 AM, Revy. Blue, my man, where have you been? We were worried. 3.04 AM, Blue. Sorry, both of us were focused on sneaking around. At that point, I had stopped paying attention. I looked out to the glow, slid down the tree, and began making my way over. The closer I got, the weirder I felt. The oppressive feeling of, don't leave, it's dangerous, hide here, I'll keep you safe, was changing into a feeling of, I want to show you something, come here, we'll help you, please listen. Foxfire. Unnatural amounts of it were glowing all around me. Little bits of light would come near me. I finally found what I was looking for. The glow was coming from a spring, as the water there glowed and shimmered with light similar to bioluminescent light. There was something watching me, though. Living in such a rural area will give you a very good sense of if something's not right in your environment. Pulling out my phone... 3.20 a.m. I should start heading back ASAP. I snapped a photo of the spring and was about to turn around when... I see you. What the fuck? I paused and looked around, ready to book it in the side of danger, but my gut wouldn't let me. I'm near you. A cold breeze passed over me, and I shuddered. Please let that be the wind. I know about the masked. What in God's holy name was happening? Who are you? I asked, putting my brave face on. The voice felt like my thoughts, but they were a completely different voice compared to my thought voices. They hunt beings like me. Don't let them keep us alive. All right, I said. I had no idea what I had just agreed to, but at this point, I just wanted to run. They come. Hide. My body moved before I could tell it to. I could almost swear I was forcefully dragged and shoved into a tree. The glowing shut off. For a few minutes, everything went still and silent. Now, for you guys who don't live near forests, let me tell you something. Forests are not quiet. If the forest is quiet, then something is very, very wrong. Case in point, a masked person came into the spring. They looked around before the mask flipped open and literally ripped apart the face, revealing a mass of cables looking like the poor person had tentacles for a face. The cables, which were an odd shade of silver, began snaking around the spring as the person kneeled down and went on all fours. As soon as they did that, 
More cables exploded out of his back, blood dripping all the way. They moved like a wave, shimmying up trees, moving fluidly like an ocean of silver death. The cables came up my tree, and I held my breath, staying as still as I could. They moved around, obviously looking for something. But what? After what seemed like forever, the cables retreated. Soon after that, the masked person stood up and all the cables slunk away, back into the body. As they moved back, the wounds were healing. Soon it was completely healed, the only casualty being a ripped back shirt. The person walked away. I didn't move for a while after that, trying to recover from the shock of whatever that was. Finally, I gathered enough strength to pull out my phone. 3.50 a.m. The past few hours weren't some acid trip. They actually happened. I saw the slew of texts sent my way and opened the group chat, where it was clear I had missed things. 3.04 a.m. Revy. Blue, you found anything? 3.04 a.m. Blue. Yes, Town Hall plus the garden had something. 3.04 a.m. Blue. Give me a sec. Let me hide. 3.05 a.m. Blue sent a photo. The photo was a photo of what was clearly a map of our surrounding areas. There were markings across the place, with notes as spotted here, potential base, and freeing operations here. 3.05 a.m. Blue. The ones marked freeing op all correlate to the locations of the construction sites. 3.06 a.m. Blue sent a photo. This time the photo showed off a massive spire, clearly reaching out of the small little park in the downtown area. The spire looked like a flower bud, and a bunch of masked people was near it. 3.06 a.m. Blue. You can see it, but it was pulsating. 3.07 a.m. Revy. WTF is happening. 3.07 a.m. Revy. Also, is everything okay for everyone? Jane and Stacy are okay, and we're trying to sneak back to your house. 3.07 a.m. Blue. The plan was to meet up at the hideout? 3.07 a.m. Revy. Yeah, I know, but think about it. 3.07 a.m. Revy. It's riskier trying to travel as one big group, and we can meet up at our house anyway. 3.07 a.m. Revy. Also, here. 3.07 a.m. Revy sent a photo. The photo showed the massive pillars and the sheer scale of the takeover. Every street was covered in the cables, and the pillars were all glowing with a strange light. The pillars were all slightly curved towards what I assumed was the bud in Blue's second photo. 3.08 a.m. Revy. Stacy said she knows the symbols. 3.08 a.m. Revy. Apparently, it was a part of her mom's project. 3.09 a.m. Revy. Blue? 3.09 a.m. Blue. We're making our way back to my house. 3.09 a.m. Blue. Almost got caught. Turns out they've got spotlights downtown. 3.09 a.m. Blue. Also, I'm fairly sure I know what those ads were for. A lot of the stuff here resembles what the ads show. 
The weird teardrop shape as he mentioned them looking like looks a lot like the bud. And the light behind said shape looks a lot like the spotlights. 3.23 a.m. Joey. Izzy hasn't returned. I'm worried. 3.23 a.m. Joey. And the glowing stopped. I'm headed to Blue's place. 3.23 a.m. Blue. We're okay. Saw a lot. We're back. 3.24 a.m. Blue. Stay safe. After those more important ones, the rest of the notifications had come from Revy, Blue, and Joey, checking in with each other. I needed to start moving if I was going to get back, so I began the long walk to Blue's house. This time there were no weird feelings, just a tired teenage girl trekking through the woods. Finally, that Hellfest was over. My phone said it was 4.49am when I finally managed to make it to Blue's house think whatever was watching me up there, as Blue lived in the forest, so it was a matter of a simple walk back and I didn't encounter any masked people. When I stepped into the house, I was greeted with what seemed to be most of the teenage population in our town, my group of friends, the high school football team, several others I knew and didn't know from school and a variety of clubs. Blue was at the kitchen counter talking about the cables. When he saw me, he was visibly relaxed. Izzy. We thought you were dead. You couldn't text us or something? I nodded. The attention in the room all focused on me. Sorry, but I really couldn't. I ran into some other things while I was out. And I told them about the spring, the voice, and the silver-masked person. Blue nodded and spoke up. Turns out a lot of us teens knew about the ropes. We should really come up with a name for it. Anyway, when I got back, I accidentally sent the photos to the drama leader's group chat. A sheepish smile. The responses were, you found out too? Turns out a lot of the teenage population knew, and they made an unofficial club known as the Brigade, and we've been invited to join. I was so thankful I wasn't alone in all of this. Also, it turns out we're really important too. Because of our knowledge of the forest... Wait, Stacy, you remember the miner cabins we found, right? Yeah, those. It's now the brigade official base. We just need to clean them all out and help with coordinating paths and the like. Lou is now excited about this, as we now had hope in figuring out more about the cables, the masks, and the purpose of all of this. Somebody else came up. I recognized them as Irene, the art club director. She made a follow-me gesture, letting her lead me to one of Blue's many spare bedrooms. Right, I'll try to catch you up on what we know, she said. The cables seem to be able to possess people when they turn 25. The masks put said people under control. It takes a lot for the cables to possess someone, which is why they use the masks. The cables also are always on the lookout for Foxfire. We saw them run towards a patch. They seem to be feeding the bud in the garden, although the drilling is recent. They can only possess people under the moonlight. That's all we know. Go get some sleep. With that high note, she left me in the room alone with my thoughts. Right now, it's 6am. 
The brigade leaders had decided that we had all agreed to use Blue's house as a temporary base for them, and that the excuse was that they were helping with the drama club's latest production. As the brigade continues to investigate the cables and what they're planning, I hope we can find something. No one in my town knows my Reddit handle, which means I'm safe with uploading this. But if I stop updating, assume that I've been taken as well. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you did, make sure to check out more of the author's work in the episode description and go to youtube.com slash clancypasta to hear new episodes first. And if you'd like your story featured in an episode, feel free to email it to clancypastastories at gmail.com. You can always get your creepy cool merch at teespring.com slash stores slash clancypastastore. And I hope you all have a great night. Cheers.